Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, all right, hopefully good. Um, I'm the guest speaker, so I, uh, uh, Carlos scheduled me to both MC after worship and preach, and I told him, I said, bro, if you do that, I've gotta give myself just a really great introduction and flatter myself a little bit, and he's like, yeah, dude, do it. So I did, so there you go, Carlos, that's what you get. Um, all right, so I, uh, I already introduced myself, but I, I'm Joel. I uh, oversee all the small groups here at our church, and like you heard, small groups are coming up. Uh, hopefully, we'll be on the website by next Sunday um, and starting on February 14th, and I'm, I'm so excited about that. They're going to be life-changing. So before we jump into the Fresh Start message, let me start with something that I just had on my mind. I think our country has been in a wild time lately, maybe the past few weeks or years or I, I don't know, however you look at it. Uh, it's been a wild time. So just wanted to say a few things that might come off serious here right up top. Uh, but when, when the world is dark, the church it should shine the brightest. And, and when uh, things look hopeless, we should be people that are full of hope. And when, when things are chaotic and crazy, uh, we should be people who remember that we have a peace that passes all understanding. So whatever rebellions or riots or whatever are going on, like we keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of that. So with all that said, I wanted to bring some clarity to something that happened recently and say that our pastor, Michael, did not buy a long wig and steal the podium from Congress. That's not our pastor. So uh, I just, I know a lot of you are wondering, like, did Pastor Michael do that on January 6th? Did he drive there and steal the podium? Are you going to preach from the podium? Where's the podium? Is Buffalo Man coming? No, like, Pastor Michael doesn't know this guy. It's not him. It's not a long-lost cousin or, or anything else. Um, and this is the only picture that looks like Pastor Michael. So I looked up the mugshot when the guy rightfully got arrested later, and it doesn't look like Pastor Michael. But this one did. So I texted him that day. I was like, hey, bro, where are you at right now? And... Um, and that was because my brother uh, texted me. I hadn't even been reading the news. I was kind of like just blind to it. I didn't, I didn't even know what's going on. He's like, hey, bro, is this Pastor Michael? I was like, what is this? What is happening? He's like, turn the news on. I'm like, oh, man. So, uh, yeah, so shout out to my brother and Pastor Michael. That's not him. So, all right, now we can jump into the message. I hope we can laugh today. Uh, even the most messed up things in our country and in my life, I find that I have to laugh to stay sane. And so I remind my wife of that when I'm laughing at something that maybe isn't funny. Um, but we are in a series called Fresh Start. I think we're wrapping up today. And so I want to take us to our theme passage and then pray, and then we'll jump into what God's put on my heart. So we have been reading from John 12, 23 and 24. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone but if it dies, it bears much fruit. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for a chance to dive into your word. God, I pray that, that my words would line up with yours uh, and that we would walk out of here closer to you, Jesus, closer to the plan that you have for our life. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that remains here with us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, so I love New Year's. How many of you guys love this time of year? Like where you feel like you get to reset? Does anybody else love this time of year? I do. Um, I love feeling like that, that idea that we can reset, get a refresh, a restart. And look, I know that the end of the year and the beginning of the year, there's no difference between December 31st and January 1st. I know practically speaking, that's just another day, right? Um, that we created the calendar and all that. Like I get it. Like it, it's just another day. So I know if you listen to motivational speakers and stuff like that, they'll say, start now. Don't worry about New Year's and get your goals going and, and whatever. But, but I'm here to say like, I, I love New Year's. I love this thing on the calendar that reminds me of getting a fresh start. Um, and I think when we look at scripture, we actually see that God built this in to the way our lives should be, and he built it into what, what I would say is just, he built it into creation. He built it into the way the universe works, um, that we would all need fresh starts, and they would all be available to us throughout our life. So I'm going to take you through a lot of scripture in the Old Testament this morning to show you that, and then we'll jump into the New Testament, and then we'll wrap up with some kind of practical takeaways. So I want to show you that right at the beginning of all of this, um, God showed us that we would get a fresh start. And so to do that, I want to take you to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1, chapter 1, uh, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. 
And I love this because what I see is right away, the first thing God creates is light, and then he brings structure to the way the world would work. That there would be a difference between day and night. That there would be light and there would be darkness. Nothing else has happened yet, and God's already introducing kind of a rhythm and a structure to the way the world would work. That we would have these very distinct times. One would be day, one would be night. And as we get into the Bible, we'll see that mankind would then need sleep during the night, and then we'd work during the day. Or at least that's what we're supposed to do. And, and, and because of lots of reasons, maybe we don't, but that's how we should function. And so every day is a new day. Right? And, and when I read scripture, when I read the Bible, one of the most important things that I remind myself of constantly is that God could have done this however he wanted. And I think we all need to remember that. When we read scripture, when we think about God, when we, when we read how he dealt with his people, and, and, and when we read the New Testament and the way Jesus came, all of it, God could have done it however he wanted, but he did it this way on purpose. Right? Like that, that is so important, and if you don't get that, then then. Some things like this might seem like little details you can jump over. But to me, I read this and I think, okay, well, God didn't have to create a day and night, right? Like, he didn't have to. Um, He didn't have to make a distinction between day and night. None of this. Like, this is all God's creation, and he did this on purpose. And I believe he did this so that when we woke up every morning, it would feel new. It would feel refreshing. It would feel like a fresh start. And I don't know about you, but I've had days that are horrible. And when I get a good night's sleep, you wake up the next day, and it feels a little less horrible. Like, I know sometimes bad days carry in, right? Like, we we bring some consequences or some things we have to clean up or deal with the next day and maybe for multiple days, but it still feels a little bit fresher the next morning after a good night's sleep, right? Like, it still feels like something's new. Something is different. When we get off track, we start to say things like all the days are running together. I don't think that was how God designed our lives to feel. He wanted it to feel new every day, that night and day would be different, and he'd bring structure to that. And so if, you, if you're like, well, this seems like really small of a detail. Is God really that concerned with sort of the rhythm of my life and the structure and the way we, we carry about? And, and I'm here to say, yes, I believe he is. And when we go to the end of the creation story, oh, I forgot to read this. That was in the first verse. Uh, and evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Again, adding that structure there. But when we get to the end of the creation story, it says this. So the creation of heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. I love this passage. So if we didn't think the day and night, the the every day was sort of a fresh start, every week God wants us to reset. He wants us to have a day in the week where we rest and reset and refresh and get ready for the following week. So much so that this is the first thing that mankind sees God doing. Okay, so God created man on the sixth day. It was the last thing that he created. And the very next thing he did was rest. And so when I read this, I think, okay, well, was it because God was so tired? Did he wear himself out creating all the cool stuff that we see in the world? But scripture already answers that, right? That God never needs rest, that he's never tired, that he doesn't grow weary. Like that's throughout the Psalms, it's throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, all of it would point to that God doesn't need rest. Last week I I was speaking with the youth group and we talked about Elijah and there's this story where he is on a mountain with some false prophets and they kind of have a showdown, right? And it's whoever's God can bring fire down from heaven is the winner of this showdown. I'm simplifying it a lot, but but that's that's what I think of. It's kind of like an old Western, but instead of guns, fire from heaven. And uh, while the false prophets are praying to their God, they're like going nuts and they're cutting themselves and they're dancing and screaming and yelling. Elijah mocks them and says, maybe your God's tired. Maybe he's sleeping, right? And the reason that would be funny is because God doesn't need rest, right? That's why it's funny. Like if God needed rest, then they might be like, good point, Elijah. Yeah, maybe he is, right? Let's come back later. But they don't do that, right? They know Elijah's mocking them because God doesn't need rest. So why would he do this? He did this as an example to humanity. Like, hey, you're gonna have six days of work and on that seventh day, you're going to rest because I rested, right? Like he's setting that example. I think some parents know what this is like. Sometimes you do something purposely so your kids see you doing it so that they'll do it, right? And it may be something that you don't need to do or that like isn't important to you, but it is important that they get it so you show them, right? Like you, 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 you are an example to them and that's what God is doing here. So he builds this into the week where every week, They would need a refresh. Every week we would have a day that is holy uh, and set apart. And that just means different, right? When when we talk about a day being holy, it just means it's set apart. It's different. And so if this alone didn't seem kind of enough structure, so now we got the day and night 
And now we have the week where we're saying God every week is, is telling us that we should reset, that we should get a fresh start. He actually moves even to more detail with his people. So in this next verse, which is from Leviticus chapter 23, which I know is everyone's favorite book of the Bible, um, it's going to talk about Sabbath and then it's going to talk about some additional days of rest. So, oh, I keep forgetting the last verse of the one before. This is, I, I realized this as I was saying holy. I'm like, I didn't read the word holy. It was in the verse three. He declared it holy because it was the day when he rested, right? That's what he did with the seventh day. So now let's jump to Leviticus 23, three and four. He says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It is the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. So stopping there for a moment, God's just reminding them, like the seventh day after you've done all your work is to rest, it's to reset. The language we're using in this series, a fresh start. He, he's giving them that, that chance to rejuvenate and get ready for the next week. And then after that, he says this, in addition to the Sabbath, which was that seventh day, that holy day, these are the Lord's appointed festivals, the official days for holy assembly that are to be celebrated at their proper times each year. So what were these seven holidays? Let me just give you the names of them real quick. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, feast of Pentecost, feast of trumpets, day of atonement, and Feast of Tabernacle. And they're, they're talked about throughout the other books of the Old Testament, but this one chapter, Leviticus 23, Moses kind of compiles them into a list. Like here they, are all, here, here they are in one place so you can just read them all at once and be reminded of them. And each of them had different customs and traditions built around them, but there was this theme throughout all seven of them of rest. Hey, in addition to your weekly rest and your nightly rest, you're gonna actually build seven different holidays into your year where you're gonna take more than a day off and you're gonna just rest from your work and you're going to enjoy God's creation, and you're going to reset. And, and there was other elements built in depending on the feast and festival. There was different things to remember, different parts of God's character, but it would be things like worship. It would be things like making a sacrifice so you could repent of your sin. Right? God thought those things were so important that he said, I'm going to put it on the calendar for you. Like, just in case you forget, it'll be on the calendar. You might forget other days of the year, but then there'll be this one day of the year, like the day of atonement, where you're reminded that I am the one that atones for your sins right? Uh, the Passover, where you're going to be reminded that I passed over you with my wrath, right? And so, so he wanted this to be reminded of them constantly, that they would have these days of rest and days of refresh where they could be brought back to the Lord. And then if that wasn't enough, right? Like if you're like, okay, that's a lot of reminders, a lot of days of rest, a lot of days to refresh, God takes it to a whole nother level. It, and, and I'll give you some homework here because I, I didn't have just one verse to read on this chapter to sum it up well, but Leviticus 25. And I know, I'm referring to Leviticus a lot. And, and I'll be honest, like, it's a hard book to get through. Actually, let me ask this. How many of you guys have done, like, a Bible in a year reading plan? Has anyone ever done those? Okay, how many, like, stopped or struggled? Keep your hands up for a second. So how many stopped or struggled when you got to Leviticus? Anyone? All right, everybody. Yes, exactly. Thank you. I have, I have failed multiple reading plans getting to Leviticus over the years, where I'm just like, okay, so that's how you sacrifice a goat. What... What am, I, what? what am I supposed to do today? All right, let me go to Psalms. Let me get something, right? Because I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this goat thing today. I love Leviticus. I love God's word. All of God's word's important. Some of it's more exciting. That's all I'll say. Like, it's, it's, some of it I can get through easier. Others, I'm like, all right, all right, I'm, this is a struggle, but there's some good in it, and you have to read all of it to understand the context of it. So if you read Leviticus 25, it talks about two things that are really important and honestly kind of crazy. One is called the Sabbath year. And I, and I said that correctly, it's a year of Sabbath. So what is that? Um, that was, you know, in, in, in the ancient Middle East, a lot of the land around them would have been farmland and a lot of people would have been farmers. Um, God said, every seven years, I want you to let the land have a rest, right? I want you to not farm it. So, so all the fields that you're planting, your weed and your corn and whatever else you're planting, um, don't plant it. Don't till it. Don't do anything to it. He actually told his people to basically become foragers. Like, hey, just go find what's growing. Pick that. Do your best. But don't mess with the land on that seventh year. Let the land rest. And what I found interesting when I was reading on this and kind of trying to understand this, this is actually a technique that farmers still use today. Now, not necessarily in this seven-year cycle, but a lot of farmers will, will rotate which fields they're using for different crops to allow that land to rest. And the reason is, from what I could understand in my non-farmer understanding of farming uh, was that 
there's a lot of nutrients deep in the soil. And the more you till and the more you plant and the more you work that soil, those nutrients kind of get pushed down. They get used up. And when you let the, the land rest and just don't do anything to it, those nutrients start to rise to the top of the soil. Uh, and then the next year when you come in and you till and you plant, the soil is actually now more fertile and you grow a better crop, right? Um, I confirmed this a little bit by researching, but also I have a buddy that's a farmer, and he, he said they've done things like this. And when I say farmer, like real farmer, he's out in Kansas. Like we have farms in Delaware, but if you've ever been in the middle, like the Midwest, it's, uh, it's unreal, right? You'll just drive for miles and miles, nothing but fields. You'll see no homes, no nothing. Um, and that's how his, his farm is. Like you get to a dirt road, then you drive down about two, three miles on that dirt road, and there's his house. And it's the only house, and it's just fields everywhere, right? Um, and he, he's a great guy. He loves Jesus, and he calls me and, and screams about some scripture he was reading or praying about on my voicemail all the time and, uh, or sings Amazing Grace multiple times on my voicemail over the years and tells me he can't wait to get to heaven with me uh, where we'll be there for 10,000 years. The, the, the last verse of Amazing Grace, he'll sing it on my voicemail. Um, so Jay, if you're watching, love you, man. Uh, but, but, but he said, yeah, you know what? We still do this. We still let land rest. And so I thought, man, if dirt needs to rest to be good dirt, like, how much more for me as a human, right? Like, as a father, as a husband, uh, as a Christian, like, how much more do I need to rest if dirt needs to rest to be good dirt? Like, that's, that's crazy. Uh, if, if, if we think we could go without rest, if we could sort of follow some of the, the motivational quotes like, no days off, well, we're stupid because that goes against what God's plan was for humanity, for our lives, and so not just the Sabbath year, but I said there was two things in Leviticus 25. So let me tell you about the second one. This was called the year of Jubilee. Uh, when I was writing my notes, I, I put WT and then just fill in whatever letter you like to put after that. It, this is crazy. The year of Jubilee was nuts. Um, what this was, was every seven Sabbath year cycles. So let's do some math here. So seven years times seven cycles, 49 years. You can get your phones out and check the math on that. I think it's, I think it's sound. Um, but if you read scripture, every seven of these cycles, so every 49 years, they had what was called the year of Jubilee. So just some highlights from the year of Jubilee. Um, and I'm just going to do this. Leviticus 25, I put it on there. Um, they would let the land rest again. So it was another Sabbath year, right? They, they would let the land rest on that year of Jubilee. But they would also give all land back to the families that originally owned it. So, so in Israel, God had said, if you sold your land during these 49 years, when you got to the year of Jubilee, whoever originally owned that, whatever clan, whatever family originally owned that, got the land back, right? Um, so much so, th this, is, this is the verse that uh, I did think about. I wrote it in my notes here. It just says, the land must never be sold, it's verse 23, the land must never be sold on a permanent basis, for the land belongs to me. You are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. That's God speaking, right? Like, so much so that like, if they sold it on year two versus year 22, God said you need to have a price difference because that person who buys it on year 22 is gonna own it for less time. That's how it was supposed to work if they actually followed this year of Jubilee. Um, so in addition to land, they also would free all slaves. Slavery is horrible. In the Old Testament, often what it was was a, a way people paid debts off. They would sell themselves into slavery to pay a debt off. It was still horrible. There was no good slavery, but that was what it was. And God said on the year of Jubilee, set all the slaves free. Anyone who's, who's done that, who's sold themselves into slavery or was born into they're all free on the year of Jubilee from then on. Uh, and then forgive all debts. All debts in all of Israel were to be wiped clean. So this is like literally in every way you can imagine a fresh start. Like just a clean slate. This is, and if you think about it, having it every 49 years means that for the average human, everybody in that land would have experienced this at least once in their lifetime. Maybe twice if they uh, just really lived to be old, uh, but like w at least once, right? Uh, they would get to experience it at least once. My, my wife's grandfather uh, recently passed. He would have gotten to experience it twice, right? He, he was almost 100. And, uh, but everybody in their lifetime would have gotten to experience this at least once, a total reset. And, and like, I was just thinking, could you imagine living in a country that did that? Could you imagine living in a country that just said, we're going to wipe all your debts, we're going to give your family's land back to you, um, we don't have slavery, but I don't know, financial, uh, you know, where you're, you're indebted to somebody or anything else, all of that's forgiven, all of it's reset, everything's new, clean slate, go, go, go with it. 
And as I say that, like, some of you are super uncomfortable with that idea. You're like, no, I can't imagine that because, like, that's what Bernie Sanders wants, right? Like, like that's the way your mind's going. Like, I think that's called socialism. But let me just say, like, in America, this idea would be very hard because we're not all believers and we don't all follow God. And I, I have my doubts on how this would work in America. But this is how God wanted it to be for his people, that in their lifetime they would actually experience a fresh start. The sad thing is there, there's a lot of evidence that the people of Israel actually didn't follow through with this, and they didn't do it. Um, because as you read the Old Testament, you don't hear a lot of people getting all of their debts forgiven, or slaves set free, or uh, land given back. You don't actually see them following it out. And a lot of scholars say, yeah, this is part of the reason that Israel was eventually, you know, actually repeatedly sold into slavery, uh, and, and captured, and the land was taken from them, and, and they were exiles from God's land, and all, all of that because they refused to obey God's command to rest. They refused to obey his command to have that, those times of refreshing and resetting and, and, and just enjoying his creation. And so they tried to take it into their own hands and it didn't work for them. So as we read this, as we think about this, like what, what, what's the big idea here like that I'm trying to get at? Um, and it's this, God built a rhythm of fresh start into the people of Israel's calendar, weekly, yearly, and beyond. Like he wanted them to be reminded so often that they could have a fresh start with him, that he not only put it in weekly, but then he had these big days throughout the year and these bigger days every seven years or every 50 years. Like, he, it was that important that he wanted them to just slow down and be reminded of who he was and trust him to take care of them in those times when they weren't working. And, and he wants the same thing for us. And so I want to get into kind of some practical ways we can, we can put this into practice in our life today. But before we do that, I want to answer a question that's kind of been on my mind. We've been in this Fresh Start series for uh, four weeks now, right? I think, I think this is the last week. And, and, and a question that comes to mind when I hear, like, you can have a fresh start with God is, like, my mind just goes, like, how many times? When it comes to things like sin, when it comes to me backtracking and screwing up and, and rebelling against God, like, how many times can I just start over with God, right? Like, like as a human, I feel like there's got to be a limit, like, like that God's going to cut me off at some point. Um, and so if that's you, if you've wondered, like, man, as you talk about fresh starts every week, like, how many times can I really fall into the same sin and God forgive me and bring me back uh, on track and give me that fresh start? Like, how often can I do that? So for that, I want to introduce you to somebody in the New Testament, a guy that I hope one day in heaven I'm good friends with because throughout a lot of sermons over the years, I have made fun of this person. So um, I always say that people I love the most, I make fun of the most. Um, my wife doesn't like that when I say that because normally it's in an argument. I'm like, no, 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 I said that because I love you. And husbands, it doesn't work. Like it never, it never helps. I've been trying for 15 years, doesn't help. Uh, but it is true, like it is true. I love, uh, I love people that I, I can joke around with and make fun of. Uh, I love actually being made fun of and like back and forth. Um, it's great. So this guy in the Bible, I'm hoping that he has my sense of humor uh, and that when we get to heaven, he's not gonna pull me aside and, and have words with me. But um, it's Peter, it's the Apostle Peter. Uh, he was a follower of Jesus. He was one of the 12 disciples. And I think this guy, at least in the New Testament, maybe had more fresh starts than anybody else. And so if you have ever hit that point where you're like, man, I just feel like I have, I've done it again. I've backtracked. I've sinned. I've screwed up. Let me introduce you to Peter and give you kind of the highlight reel of his life. All right. There's a story where Jesus is walking on water. His disciples are in a boat. Peter says, hey, if you're really Jesus, let me walk to you. Now, I love this for so many reasons, but partly just because if it wasn't Jesus, Peter dies. And so like Peter's logic was like, hey, if it's you, let me walk to you. So let's say it wasn't Jesus hypothetically and it was like a ghost and they were like, yeah, come on. And then Peter dies. Like this is such a dumb thing to ask in my opinion. That's just me. Uh, maybe you don't think that. You're like, no, that's what I would do too. It sounds like a great plan. Uh, if you have a plan where it's like, hey, I'm gonna do this and, and if I die, then I guess I'll know it wasn't God. You might need to plan a little bit more, just like a little bit. So Peter walks on water, and then he starts to doubt, and he sinks, and Jesus picks him up. And he rebukes him, and then gives him a fresh start, and Peter continues to follow after him. Uh, later, Peter hears Jesus talking about how he's going to die, go to the cross, all of that. Peter argues with Jesus, right? Like, just the boldness of this guy. Like, just, he's so brash and just... He's like, hey, no, I'm not going to let that happen, Jesus. And Jesus is like, it's God's plan. No, 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 I got this. 
you're not going to go. That's not going to happen, Jesus. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He calls Peter Satan. He's like, get behind me, Satan. You don't care about the things of God, but the things of man. And, and so he rebukes him, and then immediately Peter's still following Jesus. There's no break. There's no, like, let me go get things right, and I'll come back. Like, he just right on with Jesus, right after the rebuke of being called Satan. I've never been called Satan, and I've wanted to give up on way easier things than that. Uh, so there's a story where Jesus says, I'm going to wash all of your feet because you need to understand that I, I, I came to serve you. And you guys are, are called to be servants of all, of servants of mankind. And, and Peter is like, you cannot wash my feet. You're too good for that, Jesus. And Jesus says, uh, if I don't wash your feet, you can't follow me. And Peter's like, then you should probably give me a whole bath. And Jesus is like, uh, no, I don't, that's not, let's not do that. Um, and so Peter keeps following him. Uh, Jesus, about to go to the cross, is praying. He goes to this garden, and he prays outside, and he has a few of his followers with him. And he says, guys, I just need you to stay right here and pray for me. My hour has come. Just pray. Stay awake and pray with me. And they're like, yeah, we'll do it. He walks a few feet away. He gets down to pray. He says he's so stressed that he's sweating uh, uh, blood out of his pores. And he comes back, and they're asleep. And this isn't once, he comes back multiple times. Because I, I have this feeling like he's praying and then he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't know if you're like, when you're a parent, like you're nervous that like it's quiet. You're like, what is, what's, what's happening? So Jesus like walks over and they're sleeping multiple times. And he's like, hey guys, no, I meant it. Like, can you please just, like, this is it guys. This is my last night. And they're like, we got you, Jesus. And they're just out again. And Jesus doesn't rebuke, like Jesus doesn't send them off and like, hey, you can't. No, Peter's weak and he keeps following Jesus. Then, actually, let me go back. Oh, 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 oh. All right. Then, uh, right after that prayer, the uh, Roman guard come to arrest Jesus. And we got Jesus who has told his disciples over and over, like, pray for your enemies, right? Uh, or, sorry, love your enemies. Pray for those who curse you. Bless those who persecute you, right? Like, this is, this is the Jesus they follow. So when the Roman guard show up who would you know, to arrest Jesus, you could put them in that category of enemy who you're supposed to love. Peter cuts one of their ears off. Um, like, he's still not getting it. Like, he's like, oh. And you, one of my favorite parts of this is that the only, there's four Gospels. The only Gospel that mentions that it's Peter is John. Okay, so the other three Gospels just say a follower of Jesus cut one of their ears off. John is the last guy to write his Gospel. Like, timeline-wise, if you study the history, he, he wrote his last. He was like, you guys left the most important part of this out. It was Peter. Like, we, I don't want to be blamed for that. None of you want to be blamed. It was Peter. Like, Peter cut his ear off. So he blames Peter. And, uh, and this isn't the only time John trashes Peter. There's also this story where, like, when Jesus rises from the dead, uh, John and Peter run to the tomb. And John, like, makes sure to include that he beat Peter there. I love it. Like, I love it. Like, this is when you know, like, certain books of the Bible were written by guys. Like, they were written by dudes. They were like, I beat him. I beat him. To the tomb race, I won that one. And uh, so, so he cuts a dude's ear off. Jesus rebukes him there. He's like, hey, you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And he heals the guy. Um, and Peter continues to follow on. Then right away, as Jesus is on trial and getting ready to go to the cross, uh, Peter betrays Jesus. He denies that he even knows him. So much so that he... he, he um, he curses at the last person who asks him. Like, I, I don't know that person. And then, then we'd have to put like the little bleep in the center over his mouth for the things he says after that. Like he saying, I have no idea who this is. So when Jesus rises from the dead, one of the earliest things he does is he has breakfast with Peter. And in a way, he forgives Peter three different times by asking him this question of, of do you love me? And every time Peter's like, you know, of course I love you. And, and he gets emotional. And, and, and Jesus says, well, then you're going to feed my sheep. And he's referring to his church there. And he, and he goes on to say, you are the rock on which I'm going to build my church. The guy who just betrayed him and cut a dude's ear off and slept while he was praying and asked for a bath and got called Satan and sunk while he was walking on water. Like, that's the guy that Jesus is like, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to build my church on you. Right? Like, I, I'm going to raise something up awesome out of you. And if you think like, okay, so, like, then he must have been good. Because then I read Acts and, you know, he preaches big sermons and Peter seems to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But if we go to Galatians 2, we, we, there's this guy, Paul, who's also a follower of Jesus in the New Testament. He goes to see Peter and he sees that when he gets there, Peter is only talking and eating with Jewish people. When God specifically called him to minister to both Jews and Gentiles. And so... Paul's like, hey man, 
you're being racist, right? Like, you got like two groups of people, different ethnic, uh, different backgrounds, different races, all that kind of stuff, and you're only eating with the one. That's racist, right? Like, you, when you are prejudiced against someone because of their, their, their race and their nationality and all that, like, that's racist. Stop doing it. Now, I, he doesn't use all those words because those aren't words that were probably used in that day and age, but he says he rebuked Peter to his face publicly, right? So everyone gets to hear Peter get rebuked, probably the Jews and the Gentiles that were experiencing this, and they're like, oh, man. And Peter, he's not out at that point. He keeps following Jesus. He keeps serving Jesus. And, and so I want to say this to you. If you are like, during this series, like, man, I have, I have just I've done too much. I've screwed up too many times. Um, you know, maybe you fought with your spouse on the way to church today. Maybe you looked at porn last night. Maybe you turned to, to drinking too often during 2020 when it was really stressful and crazy and it's not that much better yet in 2021. So may, maybe you've had some weakness. Maybe you've backtracked. Maybe you've fallen into sin patterns that you thought you would overcome. I want to say if that's you, you're in good company because you're in the company of Peter, who screwed up constantly, and God used him to turn the world upside down. He used Peter to plant the church, to see thousands of people come to know Jesus, sometimes in a single sermon. That's the company that you're in. There's, no many, there, there's, not, there's not too many fresh starts. There's always more available, and Peter is my favorite because of that. Like, he just keeps living up to this. Like, he just keeps needing a fresh start, and God keeps using him to do great things. If, like, we did any of these things, most of the time we would feel disqualified. I mean, can you imagine a pastor who we found out, like, doesn't eat with uh, Puerto Ricans or something? Like, you know, like, like, we'd be like, no, like, he can't be a pastor. That's, that's terrible. Uh, or, or a pastor who's just like, yeah, I doubt Jesus all the time. Or, or like, one who can't even have a prayer life because he's sleeping. Or, or, or a guy who cuts someone's ear off. Like, let's just use that one. If you found out that, like, your pastor cut a guy's ear off last week, you probably would get a new church. You'd be like, nope, you know, not, not doing that. Or, you know, yeah. So I love, I love Peter. I could, like, I'm telling you, I'm going to get to heaven and Peter's going to be like, dude, so many sermons where you were just like, Peter is a screw up. And I was like, yes, let's hang out, man. I love you. Um, all right. So with that said, let, let, me, let me take it to some practical steps here uh, before we wrap up. So what can we do with this information? Like, what can we do with this idea that we should build fresh starts into our life? So I'm going to give you some takeaways here. So start every day as a fresh start with God. So what do I mean by that? I think it's important that every day, like we said at the beginning, God did all of this on purpose. So, so I, as I talk about these points, I want to say this is something that I'm kind of on a journey myself where I am I'm figuring out more and more how to do this, how to incorporate this. I think I spent years not getting the right kind of rest and not letting myself reset frequently uh, and kind of just burning out over and over. And, and God convicted me of that, and I'm working on it. And I'm saying this as a person who works a full-time job outside of church, and then I help at church on the weekends, things like that. So I want to be clear on that. God convicted me that I needed more of this. So starting every day is a fresh start with God. When I get up in the morning, I try to take that first couple minutes and just acknowledge that God gave me another day and be thankful for it. Right? Even if you like reading your Bible later in the day or at night or listening to it or whatever else, just taking a minute or two like right away in the morning and just, God, I thank you that you gave me breath again, that I'm alive again, that, that, that this is a new day. It's different than yesterday. And like you have something new for me today. You know, I did this even this morning, like, and I was mad this morning because I was preaching on rest and then my puppy woke up like twice in the night and woke me and my wife up. So 2.45, we were awake. And then 4.45, I was awake again with him. Um, and so after I got done yelling and screaming at him, I was like, you know what, God, thank you for a new day. Uh, and, uh, and then that's when my day started. So, um, but, but in scripture, there is a great verse that if you're like, what, what, like if you need a verse to think about first thing in the morning, I, I want to give you this because I love it. It's Lamentations chapter 3, 22 23. It says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I love, if you understand the context of when this was written, it's, it's even more important. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah wrote Lamentations after he wrote the book of Jeremiah, surprisingly. Uh, and so, in Jeremiah, he's warning God's people, like, if you don't begin to obey God's commands, including the command to rest and keep the Sabbath and make it holy, uh, you're going to get carried away into exile. 
There's going to be oppressors who come in and strip you of your land and your families and your goods, and you're going to get taken away into slavery. And they don't listen. They don't obey. They ignore God's warnings. And so Lamentations is Jeremiah basically sitting on a hillside watching the people of Israel go into slavery and like get carried away in chains. And, and the book of Lamentations is exactly what it sounds like. It's him lamenting for a whole book, right? Multiple chapters uh, where he's just weeping and he's just like, Lord, like how long is this going to go on? But in the midst of those, those laments, in the midst of those mornings, he throws in some hope here and there. And, and I love this because he's basically saying, hey, I'm seeing this go on, but I also know your mercies begin afresh each morning. So tomorrow's a different day than today. And he knows that because the history of God's people is one where they rebelled, God punished, God forgave, and they, they came back and began to follow him again. And that story repeats, and I believe it repeats over and over in our own lives, where we get off track and we screw up, and God's mercy is new for you in those moments so that you can come back to him over and over and over. One of my favorite worship songs, they, 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 they say, uh, countless second chances we've been given at the cross. And I love that line. Like, I love thinking about that God is always ready to give you a fresh start. And so begin each day as a fresh start with God. The next thing that I believe we need to do is build a Sabbath into your week. Or you could say build your week around a Sabbath. And I put make it count. And so I'll explain what I mean by that. Make it count. I make Sabbath like a mini holiday. And th th this is something I'm going through right now with my family. Like we are, we are working on this. I mean, I, and I'm not exaggerating, exaggerating when I say for years I've been thinking like, how do I incorporate Sabbath when I work all the time and then try to volunteer stuff on the weekends, right? Like, and if that's you, it's probably going to take some, some restructuring of your life a little bit, some reorganizing, some like, like replanning of how your week goes. But for us, um, we've been starting to make Sabbath like a mini holiday. So for us, we, we decided we're going to do, when sun goes down on Friday, when we're done with work, school, all of that, um, we decided we'll start with a meal. And if we can get that down, we'll start to stretch that out into like a 24-hour kind of thing. But we'll just start with a meal. So on Friday night, like we have our Sabbath meal as a family, right? And that does not have to be fancy or crazy or anything like that. It could be Chinese food or pizza or whatever else. Our whole goal is on Friday night that we just shut down, right? So we turn our phones off. Uh, we use paper plates so we don't have to do any dishes afterwards. I cook on the grill if I can, if I'm cooking so that like, I don't have any pots or pans or anything else. And so like the kids look forward to it. It becomes like this holiday. And it really, as we made it intentional, as this is a new thing for my family, it's felt so good, so rejuvenating. And like throughout the week, our kids are starting to talk about it. Like, oh, I can't wait for Sabbath. <laughs> like, awesome. This is going to sound so weird if people overhear this and don't know that we're not Jewish, but that's fine. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Like, I, I don't care. I, I, I serve a, a Jewish guy named Jesus, so I'm good with it. Um, but, you know, we've built some traditions. I think, I think these help point us back to that this is a day that's different than the rest of the days. And we took this from some teachings and trainings we were listening to, but like, I mean, we have decorations we get out for our table on that day, some candles we light on that day, just to make it unique. Like, this is a different day than the rest of the days. This is a day set apart for God. Um, also spiritual, like we build in like some Bible reading together. Some, you know, this past week we watched a Bible project video. It's a YouTube series. Uh, we watched their video on the Sabbath. They have one on that. They have like hundreds of videos. They're great. I, I, I use them a lot. So, but whatever it is, build a Sabbath into your week. And it could be just a night. It could be 24 hours, but like build a dedicated time that you're going to do nothing. That, that, and I would highly recommend like turning the phone off so that nobody can interrupt it. Um, but like just a day or a night where you get to reset, where you get to refresh. And you might think like, well, isn't that like Old Testament? You know, do I really have to do that? I want to take you to a verse that Jesus said um, when they were kind of nitpicking about how you should do the Sabbath. Jesus said this. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So, so this is the big difference, right? No, Sabbath is not like, for Christians, it's not some law that you have to do or, or God's gonna be up there like beating you over the head. Jesus is reminding us, this was a gift for us. Like God put this into creation and he put this throughout his story as a gift to us. That he knew we needed it so much that he was like, take, take a day. Like every week, take a day where you don't put things on the calendar and you actually unplug. And again, that might take some restructuring, but it's actually worth it because it lines you up with how God wanted the world to work. Um, 
So in addition to that, in addition to a weekly reset and a daily reset, what other kind of fresh start can we do? The next one that I put on here is plan larger Sabbath into your year and beyond. So we read about all these festivals that they did, and we read about the uh, Sabbath year. and all. Like, we as Christians should have times built in where we can step back and reset and refresh and get our eyes back on God. Right? That should be part of it. It's not just a vacation, but actually taking those times to be thankful and, and turn our eyes to Jesus and be grateful for what he's done. And, and I was thinking about this as I, as I wrote this one out, because in the Old Testament, it was these seven feasts, and they celebrated them, and there was purpose behind all of them. Um, I actually, my mind went to, uh, how many of you guys have ever heard someone say that like Christmas or Easter, or these other Christian holidays, really like church fathers just replaced pagan holidays? Has anybody ever heard that? No? Just me. All right, a couple hands. All right, good. All right, so you might get, see this shared in like memes and stuff around Christmas or Easter, like, oh, it's not really your holiday, Christians. These other guys celebrated and the church just took over it. And I'm like, yeah, we did. We, we did. And, and, and I think it's actually awesome that we did because imagine this. Imagine you're like a, a missionary, an evangelist, taking the gospel to a new nation. And these people want to know Jesus. And so they start to serve Jesus. And then December 25th rolls around. They're like, hey, we have this holiday coming up. And here's the traditions, the customs. I'm not an expert on this, so I'm making this up. But hey, we put a tree in our house and we put some lights up and we get really drunk uh, and we, you know, sacrifice babies or whatever, right? Like something crazy. And, and the church fathers are like, okay, all right. Uh, anything else? Like, oh yeah, we give gifts and we do. Okay, all right. So here's what we're going to do. All right, I, I got this idea. Let's keep the tree. That's cool. The lights, that's great. Food, yay. Uh, that, that's cool. Uh, but let's get rid of like the sacrificing babies and the getting wasted and sleeping around town and all. Let's, let's, let's nix that because you guys want to serve Jesus, right? Yeah, we want to serve Jesus. All right, so let's nix the sin stuff. Let's keep the fun stuff. And then you know what? We'll celebrate the birth of Jesus. Like, shouldn't we celebrate that all year round? Yes, but let's celebrate it on December 25th even more. And the gifts, we can keep that because wise men gave gifts to him. So, you know, we'll just, we'll tie it all together. Like, they were, they were taking something that existed in the culture around them. They were like, let's redeem it. Let, let, let's use use that time of year to focus on one aspect of God. So they did this with Christmas, they did it with, this, uh, with Easter. There's some other days in the early church calendar like this. But what they were doing was redeeming the things around them and using them as mile markers, as times to remind themselves of God's goodness and the different aspects of his character. And so we get Christmas, we get Easter, but build other things into your year. Like you, you can use existing holidays, but build things that are important to you as an individual, you, your family as a whole. Times that you can come back to God's goodness, to different aspects of his character. You can also build spiritual disciplines in this way, like fasting. You know, our church, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting here at the beginning of the year. It just ended today, I think, right? So um, I can check social media again and uh, um, a couple other things. Uh, so, so we... Uh, we, we do that at the beginning of the year. We do that again in August. I had a mentor who used to go on like a, um, a seven-day fast uh, right at the beginning of the year and then again after his birthday, um, and, which was in July. I did it once with him, and I was like, I don't know how you do a seven-day fast more than once ever in your lifetime, uh, much less multiple times a year. Like it just, it, did, I, it didn't make sense to me. I thought I was going to die. Um, Seriously, it's, it's rough. Um, all right, so like onions smell good when you're on a seven-day fast, raw onions. You're like, I just want to eat that. Like, I almost did. Um, I like eyeballed it, like just stared at it in the kitchen one day. Like, oh, that looks like, as, it looks awesome. Um, all right, so plan a larger Sabbath into your year. And then the last one here, this might seem like a little bit different than the other ones, but um, we talked about, you know, building these different forms of rest in. But one of the most important things I think that will help you get a fresh start on a regular basis, I mentioned that they, they did some of this in some of the holidays in the Old Testament was repenting of sin and things like that. And so I want to say one of the things that we need to build into our life, we can create a space in your life to confess sin. What do I mean by that? You need people you can talk to about what's going on in your life um, before things blow up, right? Like when things start to get a little bad, you need people that you can be honest with and talk talk through things. Um, the way scripture puts this um, is in James chapter 5. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So again, create space in your life to confess sin. And, and again, it's a gift to you. By doing that, you find healing. 
It's not that God's up there and he's like, okay, you repented to me, but now find people to talk to about it and then I'll forgive you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when you begin to talk to others about it and confess your sin to other Christians, they can actually help you. They can come alongside of you and you find real healing. Like you actually get to move forward in your life and not just stay stuck in that sin forever because now your brothers and sisters in Christ are around you helping you move out of that sin. Uh, and so you find healing. So we need to create that space or to use like a word that I don't use, but I hear younger people than me using it, normalize. Normalize c- confessing sin. Like it should be a normal part of our life because you know what? I know I'm gonna sin again and I know you're gonna sin again. So why not have a game plan to talk about it so you don't get trapped and hiding and like Adam and Eve just embarrassed and trying to cover everything up. Like have people, have times already built into your schedule where you can talk about it. This could be a weekly phone call with a friend or it could be a small group, right? Like small groups are coming up um, and For me, uh, every small group that I've ever led, I I end with this question, which is from the past week, what has been a failure or struggle in your life and what's been a victory? And and man, we've had some awesome times in small groups over the years with those questions. Sometimes it's simple. I mean, plenty of weeks we go around the table and someone's like, I don't know, I don't have anything good this past week. Okay, thank you for being honest. Let's pray about that, right? Um, Or, you know, I, I don't know what has been a struggle this week. Okay, great. That's awesome too. But there's plenty of weeks where someone opens up and gets to share like what's happening, whether it's a sin issue, whether it's a health issue, whatever it is, they have those moments built in on a weekly basis during small groups where they can actually deal with life because we were supposed to. It's how we find healing. And, uh, and as, we, as I think about that, um, I was thinking back to years ago, I was in a dorm setting where I was kind of like an RA. I had some rooms under me uh, of guys. And we, we had the same structure, like let's talk about our week, let's talk about what's good, what's bad, what's happening. Um, and I told them up front at the beginning of that year, it was this Christian internship thing I was at, I was like, we're gonna be transparent, right? Like we're gonna be raw with our, with our emotions, with our life, with our sin, like we're gonna deal with all of it. Um, and so at that internship, they had a lot of rules, right? If, you ever, if any of you went to like a Christian college or anything like that, you know, there always is a lot of rules. It's just like whoever made all of these things decided lots of rules. So, um, you know, it would be things like, you know, the, you took a year off of dating that first year you were at the internship or, um, you know, no smoking or cursing or uh, drugs or alcohol or like a bunch, bunch of things, right? No porn, no. Um, and so what, what happened for me is I, I told my guys, like, if you screw up, we're going to talk about it. Like, if you break these rules, let's talk about it. Like, up front, that's my goal. And over the course of that year, uh, if you broke the rules, you went on what they called a growth plan where they would give you some scripture and maybe a book to read, a mentor to meet with to, like, deal with the sin in your life so you could grow. Um, And I think almost every guy that was in my group went on one of those growth plans. Like, almost every one. And I would brag about that. I'd be like, three of my guys are on growth plans right now, you know, like, Two of my guys are on growth plans. And, uh, and other leaders, other RA type figures on campus would be like, bro, like you shouldn't brag about that. Like that's not good. Like something's wrong with your group um, if they're all screwing up. And I'm like, no, 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 here's the thing. I'm pretty confident that most people here are screwing up. Just my guys are honest about it. Like they're dealing with their sin. Uh, and in the years to come after we left that inter- internship, I got to kind of see that take place. There was people that were hiding things that whole year. And afterwards came out like, dude, I was dealing with this for years and I just couldn't tell anybody. I was so scared, to, so afraid to open up and, and be honest about what I was dealing with and, and the sins that I had going on in my life and in my heart and my mind, all of that. But my guys, like, they were still calling me like after we left, like, Joel, pray for me. This is going on. And I'm like, huh, all right, cool. You know, like, and it would be like real stuff. This was not like petty things. The, the things that my guys went on growth plans were, for were not like, they cussed. All right, I just want to be clear. Those were not the things they were on growth plans for. It was like real deal sin that would be sin today if they were here in the church that I'd be concerned about. Um, and just sitting across from them going like, no, you can actually work through this. Like you can work through this. Oh, you went home on, on break and like did meth. Okay, let's get you on a growth plan and like work on that and figure out how to get you free. Oh, you're looking at porn again. Let's figure out a way to get you free. Like, let's be honest. Let's just be real that as the church, like we don't have it all together. And like Peter, we may screw up a hundred more times or a million more times and God is ready and willing to forgive. And he wants us in community where we can be honest about it so that we can find healing and move forward. And so as we, as we close today, I wanna just give you one more thought here. Um, I said that God kind of built this idea of fresh start into creation and throughout his word. Um, 
Another, another chapter in the Bible you could read when you're at home would be the last chapter in the Bible, and you'll see this again. In Revelation 22, we see a story very similar to the very beginning of, of the Bible in Genesis. In Genesis, we see God and man in a garden together, and there's the tree of life, and, and God and man are, are, are able to uh, interact with each other and talk to each other, and, it, it, and it's amazing. Uh, and then because of sin, um, there, there's a divide between them, and uh, that no longer takes place, and man's kicked out of the garden, and, and all of the destruction we see throughout the rest of the Bible and in our own world today. Uh, but in Revelation 22, we get this picture of a city um, and, and there's a garden there and the tree of life is there and man and God dwell together. And it, it's just like it was supposed to be in the beginning and that's where it ends. Like the story of the Bible has a beginning and a middle and then it ends with the beginning again, right? A new beginning. This was so important to God that he wove it throughout his word and he ended the whole story on it. Like, hey, this is a new beginning. Remember the beginning? This is just like that. It's a beginning again. It's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. And so we're gonna pray here, but I, I wanna encourage you with that, that it doesn't run out. There's no end to it. Like God wants to give you a fresh start today and tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. So if you could just bow your head, we're going to pray and wrap up here. All right. So for those here or those online, um, if you have never come to know Jesus, the, the quick of it is that, that Jesus is God. He came to earth as a man. He died for your sins so that you could find that forgiveness and have that fresh start with God. Um, if you've never experienced that and you want to today, uh, right where you're at, right where you're at, you can just begin to talk to him. The Bible says that you should repent of your sin and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's, it's that simple. That's the beginning. That's the fresh start. From there, it's a lifelong journey of following after Jesus. But right now where you're at, you, you can just say, Lord, I repent. I turn away from my sin, from all the things that your word says are wrong. I turn away from those things and I turn to you and I confess that you are Lord. And if you did that today, please let us know. If, that, if that's the first time that you've done that, we would love to know so we can come alongside you. And like we just read, you can find healing. You can find wholeness. You can get plugged into a small group with other people that will love you and come alongside of you. Uh, and for the rest of you, if what I preach on today, I guess I just, I wanna pray for you guys who, who need this. So like, if you are hearing this and going, yeah, I, have, I do not have that built into my life right now. I have zero fresh starts on any regular basis built in, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. What, I don't have any of it. And I do feel like I'm just wearing myself out. Um, if that's you, I just wanna pray blessing over you. Um, and so if you could just throw your hand up just to kind of let, let me know, and then I'm gonna pray for you guys. All right, so Lord, I thank you so much for this chance to be in your word today, Lord. I thank you that you designed us in a way where we could have a fresh start with you over and over. Lord, I thank you that you wove it into the calendar and into creation so that we could come back to you repeatedly throughout the year, throughout our days, throughout our weeks, and be reminded of our need for you, Lord, and our need for a fresh start, that yes, we would screw it up, yes, we would get it wrong, yes, we would sin and fall away, but that you are always there just like you were with Peter, pulling him up out of the ocean that he was drowning in. You are there to pull us up. So we thank you for that, Lord. And I just pray that blessing over everyone here, that they would find that fresh start, that they would take the time to build it into their life so they can turn their eyes to you regularly, frequently, all the time, God, that we would be turning back to you, Jesus. We love you so much, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, well, if you would stand, we're gonna worship together one more time. And... Uh, Love you guys. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.